Let us go to the Lord again in prayer. Holy Father, we come to you once again in the name of Christ Jesus. the Son of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we thank you, our God, that we can call you our Father and Christ our elder brother. We thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and pray that he would take the truths, these truths and apply them to our hearts in such a way that we could truly at all times have the desire of what we have just sung. We long for the day when we shall be rid of these sinful bodies in a sinful world and our souls will have full expression without hindrance of praise and honor and glory and majesty unto Thee, our great God and Savior. Until then, we must continue to live by faith as we live out our lives in this sin-torn world. But we thank You that we're not left to ourselves. We do have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We do have your fellowship. In fact, you have called us friends. And we thank you for the companionship that we have of other saints as we travel down this pilgrimage unto the celestial city. Help us now as we continue studying Thy Word and hopefully have a fuller and a more solid, concrete understanding of what it is to live by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We basically this morning studied the Hebrew word, or one of the Hebrew words, which both of them basically the same, from the Old Testament with regarding faith. And I think that those passages clearly revealed that living by faith is not some emotion that we try to work ourselves up but that it has it's a consistent lifestyle with regard to the Word of God. This afternoon we want to look at the same 
concept by looking at the Greek word of the New Testament to show that it is uh, the same with what we saw in the Old Testament uh, this morning. As we said from this morning, we pointed out how many times faith was used, the English word faith was used in the Scriptures and even in the Old Testament. Two, the two words, one of them was two times, the other was 49 times. But the English word faith is found 249, 245 times in the New Testament. And the Greek word, this won't mean anything to you probably, but uh, the Greek word is generally the word pistis. It's spelled P-I-S-T-I-S, just like it sounds. And five times, pistis is joined to another word, which is uh, oligos, which means little. So you have the word uh, oligopistos or oligopistis, which is the word little faith. But then sometimes there's the word where the phrase little faith is found in the New Testament. It's a different Greek word for little, which is by itself, and then faith by itself. So you have two, two expressions for little faith. And so uh, let's look at this one word that means little faith, first of all, and you'll get hopefully a, an idea somewhat of that. First of all, Matthew 6. I don't expect you to remember all of these statistics that I'm giving, but hopefully it'll just clarify the, uh, the difference of some of these things that we're trying to show. Matthew 6 and verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? In other words, if God takes care, and if we had time, we'd read the whole context there, but you should be familiar with it. If God takes care of the sparrows, and God takes care of the lilies of the field, and if God takes care of the grass, and you who are children of God, do you not think He's going to take more care of you than of those things. And therefore, if you're not going to believe the Word of God, then you would be having little faith. It's not trying to work yourself up. And really, really, you know, I, I can just feel, I can just feel that great faith that God's going to take care of me. Well, no, God said it in His Word, He's going to take care of me. 
And therefore, if I'm going to have faith, I'm going to believe His Word. And when we get to be trepidatious about certain things that's going on in life, and we begin to fret ourselves, we need to realize that we're just having a little faith. Because God said He's going to take care of us. And so, I think you could see that. Next one's in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26. Again, they were in a ship. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Now this <coughs> this Matthew 8.26 is a parallel passage of what we read in Mark this morning. But here, uh, it did not say in Matthew that we're going to the other side. You see, there's, there's a very important element in the story that Matthew did not give that Mark and Luke does give. We didn't, naturally, we didn't read Luke this morning. So, Matthew 14. Matthew 14. 31. This is when Peter, well, let's just go back up in uh, verse 28. And Peter answering him said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter uh, excuse me. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. <clears throat> and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now here again, Jesus told him to come and walk on the water. And Peter did for a while. And then he took his eyes off the Lord and quit thinking about what God had said and started looking at the boisterous wave around him. So you can see again that it has to do with believing what God said. In this case, believing what Jesus said. And by the way, people want to uh, chastise Peter for having little faith here, which uh, he, he did have his doubt. I'm not going to deny that. But he was the only disciple that had enough faith to get out of the ship. And he's the only one that ever walked on water. He might have not walked as long as he wanted to, but he still he walked on water for a while. And the only reason he did it is not because he had enough faith in himself to do it. He was just obeying Christ. You see the thing there? But then when he quit obeying Christ, when he quit trusting in what Jesus had plainly said, 
And by the way, while I think of it, I don't think I have it in any of my verses going forward. But, you know, the Lord says that we're to ask and God will give. Obviously, we must ask according to the Scriptures. If we ask anything, 1 John tells us, what? According to His will, He heareth us. It's not just because we've got up, we can muster up enough I believe it ism that God's going to do it. And so if I've got enough believe it ism, God's going to do it because I've got enough believe it ism. No, it's not that. It has to be according to the will of God. And that's the reason our Lord, when He taught us how to pray, said, Not my will, but thine be done. All right, next is Matthew 16. Notice all these but ones in Matthew. We've got one more being Luke, but Matthew 16 and verse 8. Here's when they... <clears throat> See, Jesus had already fed the 5,000. Now the 4,000 comes along. But anyway, verse 8, Then he, when Jesus perceived, He said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because... Ye have brought no bread. In other words, they, they misunderstood what he was talking about. He was talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. If you'll read it in his context. And maybe I should do that, but I, I don't want to belittle my point or weary you out with my point. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Verse 28. Well, this is basically a parallel passage to Matthew 6. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O ye of little faith? So those are the five times that that Greek word Little faith is used. <clears throat> There's five times also that the Greek word pistis, the word basically for faith, and I'm not trying to weight you down with Greek. I just pronounce the Greek word so you'll know it's a different word from the one we just was talking about. Because the other one was oligospistus. And this is just pistis by itself. And out of the 244 times this word is used, five times it is translated as assurance, belief, fidelity, or believe. So the rest of the times is translated faith. 
Now I want us to look at some of these times this word faith is used. And why are we doing this? To show you that faith is nothing more than living consistently with the Word of God or just believing the Word of God. I want to drive this point home again. I know that much of my life, even as a minister, I did not understand this and thought I just have to work myself up in order to have enough faith that such and such is going to be what it is. And as I said this morning, I believe in my prayer, my closing prayer, there were things in the past in my life I just knew in my own mind and heart that it was the will of God. In fact, I remember one thing that uh, I went to a, a good friend of mine and I read the passage in Matthew where it says, If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, and ask my Father in heaven, He will do it. So I went to this brother and I read that passage and I said, Do you believe it? He said, Yes. I said, Well, I believe such and such a thing. I said, Do you agree with me that you believe that that is to be also? He said, Yes, I really do. I really think that's right. I said, Then will, will you pray with me that that come to pass? He said, Yes, I will. Well, it didn't come to pass. You say, Well, maybe it's to come to pass in the future. Nope. It's not going to come to pass. So, why? Because I was asking for something that I wanted. He believed that what I wanted was right, but I didn't have any Scripture to back it up. I didn't have any Scripture to back it up. So, I say all of that to say this. We can't trust our feelings. Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Just because I really, really believe something is, is, is the Lord's will doesn't necessarily mean that it is. But if God has said it in His Word, or if everything about the situation is in harmony with the Word, then we have more reason to believe that it would be of God. I can't think of something right off the top of my head, but uh, I want us to go back now and just look at this basic Greek word that's translated faith in the New Testament so we can see the continuity of what we saw in the Old Testament this morning. First, Matthew chapter 8. And this is the first time faith is used in the New Testament. 
Matthew chapter 8. Now I want us to get some of the context. So we want to start in verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto thee, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, hast believed, so it be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. Now, the centurion didn't have a good feeling about it. That's not what that's not what is communicated here. In other words, the centurion just didn't feel something. He realized the truth and understood the truth of authority and power. In other words, the, the centurion knew that he had the power and the authority to command his servants and they would do it. He knew and no doubt had seen Christ perform other miracles and that Jesus had the authority to heal not only his servant if he was there, but since he had the authority over all things, then he had the authority to heal from where he was and didn't even have to go there. You see, it's a matter of understanding. Now faith, let me say this. Faith is not reasoning something out because the centurion had to already have been born again to come up with this. But, but, but my point is, it's not something that the centurion conjured up within himself from feelings and emotions and, and thought it was something that he saw in Christ. Faith in the centurion 
Like I said, it's not something that was worked up in himself. We know from Hebrews 11.1 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And based on what the centurion had seen in the person and work of Christ, he expected, that is, he hoped for, his servant to be healed even though he hadn't seen it already. See, he hadn't seen his servant healed, but he expected, he hoped for, his servant to be healed. Why? Because of the evidence that he had seen in what Jesus had already done. So, in other words, faith is the evidence. Faith is what the centurion had seen Jesus able to do. And therefore, what the centurion hoped for, his servant to be healed, he hadn't seen it yet, but he knew that he would see it when Christ healed him. So you can see that this application can equally be applied in many other situations where people were healed when it's what Jesus said, according to your faith. It wasn't because of something they had within themselves, of themselves. It was something that they had based on what they had seen in the life of Christ. The next place, we want to go to Matthew 9. Verse 2, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. What were the faith, and if we had the time, we're not going to take the time to go back and read Mark's account of this in chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. But I think you are familiar with the story where this man was sick of the palsy and he had some friends that went and picked the man up in his bed to take him to Jesus for Jesus to heal him. When they got there, the house was full and crowded around it and they couldn't get in the house. So what did they do? They got up on the top of the house and they broke up a a hole big enough to let that man down in front of Jesus on his cot or on his bed. In other words, they knew that Jesus could do the healing. And based on their faith, what did they do? They did everything they could to get the man to Jesus. In other words, their faith, if you want to put it in another way, was manifested by their works. And of course, Jesus used that occasion to show that He had the power to forgive sins. 
Matthew 17. Jesus had been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes back down. And he finds out that a man had taken a, a lunatic child to the disciples to be healed and they didn't heal him in verse 17. But I'm going to read 17 through 20. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long, how, how long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And he said, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now the point I want to make here is that it's not the quantity or the amount of faith that is essential. It's the quality of faith. It's the quality of faith. In other words, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed. That's little. Obviously, if we seek to do something that we would like to see, and it's really not for the glory of God, God's not going to bless it. It has to be for the glory of God. Sometimes we, being the sinners that we are, we think that something would be for the glory of God when it probably is more for our glory than it is for God's glory. Kindly as a side note, there have been times when I was about to preach and was in much trepidation and I asked the Lord to bless me in, my, in the preaching of a particular sermon. And there have been times that I have said, Lord, if I'm asking In order to get the praises of men, I said, I don't think I am. 
but I know my heart's deceitful that I may be wanting more of the praises of men than I am your praise. If that's the case, then don't let anybody compliment me for the sermon. And there have been more than one occasion that that's happened. That I preached. I thought it was. I thought the Lord blessed me, but nobody said a word. My point is, we don't know our hearts. We don't know our hearts. And it may be that God blessed the message to His honor and glory, but because me, in my own sinfulness and the blindness of my own eyes, spiritual eyes, was it really asking more for that I didn't want to be disappointed or be embarrassed that God didn't let anybody say anything to me too. Now, what I'm trying to get across is, even though it sounds simple to say we must ask according to His will, and He hears us, and read and say read these other passages, if we take these passages by themselves without considering the whole of the Scriptures, then we might think, that if I just if I, if I just do enough, then it'll come to pass. Well, it all still has to be to the glory and honor of God. But I don't want to leave out the fact that faith is merely a lifestyle of walking according to the Scriptures. Walking according to the Scriptures. Look at Luke chapter 17. See, when Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God, Paul said, I, I have been obedient to the heavenly calling. That's the reason he could say, I finished my course in 2 Timothy. Luke chapter 17, after Jesus talks about offenses coming, And then in verse 3, Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. The apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. How could their faith be increased? Well, if I come to you and I sin against you and I ask you to forgive me, and you do that, an hour later I come and do something else or maybe the same thing, and I ask you to forgive me, and you do, though you're probably already beginning to wonder. And then an hour later I come and sin against you again. And then I recognize it and come back and ask you to forgive me. 
What are you to do? You have no option but to forgive if you're going to walk by faith. And if you remember in Matthew 18 when it talks about the, the, the man that uh, would not forgive his fellow servant, Jesus said that if you do not forgive from your heart, your Father, Heavenly Father will not forgive you. So what the apostles were saying not so much necessarily increase our feelings so we'll feel right about this. Increase our understanding so that we will go ahead and do what you have told us to do. That's how our faith is increased. It's by simply doing the Word of God when it doesn't fit what we really would like to do. You know, if you came to me after about the fifth time in a day, I probably would want to give you the right hand of fellowship rather than to forgive you. And what I mean by the right hand of fellowship, right in the mouth. <laughs> you know, say, so, hey, you, you've done this five times today and you, how, you, you expect me to think you're sincere about this? But Jesus didn't say, if he's sincere about it, forgive him. He said, forgive him. He said, well, that rubs against my grain. It rubs against my grain. But if we're going to walk by faith, we're going to do what the Word of God said. You see what we're saying? I sure wouldn't feel like forgiving you. I sure wouldn't have that funny feeling about forgiving you. But if I'm going to love you, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to do what's right. When Jesus said, love your enemies, He didn't say, feel good about them. If my next door neighbor is my enemy and his uh, livestock gets out, if I'm going to love him, then I'm going to go out there and help get his livestock back in the, in, in the fence. And I can do that, and I may not feel good about Him, but I can do what he told, God told me to do. And in the day in which we live, beloved, and I'm not going against the sense of justice, uh, I can't cover uh, everything that I would like to cover in what I'm about to say, but when we have people that ridicule us, maybe lie about us, and maybe even do bodily harm to us, what we are to do, we are to be responsible for what God has told us to do, and to do what He tells us, and that's living by faith. Obviously, if somebody comes to do me wrong, and I can uh, uh, get the authorities to take care of the situation, that I have the right to do that. When Paul was brought before the judgment seat of Felix and and uh, later Festus and uh, and well, I can't think of the name of the other governor that came up. Finally, what did Paul say? He said, "I appeal to Caesar." 
He didn't just go ahead and take it. He, after all, I think he'd already been in jail for two years, maybe three, all that during, during all that time. And when they tried to force him to go back to Jerusalem, he said, I've done no wrong. And he'd already tried uh, 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 appeal to them and said, uh, they can't prove anything they've said. And they said, well, would you go back anyway? He said, well, I just appeal to Caesar. So there's times you, have, you can do that. But you can see that these people that when the Lord told them what to do, the apostle said, increase our faith. They weren't asking him to increase some feeling in them for them to work up enough strength to do it. He said, Lord, just help us to do what you've told us to do. Just living as he would have us to live. Luke 22. Verse 32. Verse 32. This is when the Lord told Peter to get behind him. But I just, for time's sake, we'll look at verse 32. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Now what did Jesus pray for? Peter's faith. He didn't pray for Peter's courage. If the Lord had prayed that Peter's courage not failed, Peter never would have denied the Lord. But he prayed that his faith not fail. Even though Peter sinned by denying the Lord, even though his courage failed, when he was converted, he went right back to preaching and defending the Lord Jesus Christ as he had before. In other words, Peter didn't stop being an apostle or a minister when he denied the Lord. Peter continued on and was faithful to the Lord until death. So you see, Peter's faith was not depending on his feeling. It was dependent upon his overall constant walk under the commandments of God and walking according to the Scriptures. So when you walk by faith, it doesn't mean that you won't falter sometimes. Peter's courage failed him. But his faith didn't. Because he repented. The truth of the Scriptures with the work of grace in the heart of Peter caused him to immediately repent and increase in his obedience to the Word of God. Because when he, after he denied the Lord that last time and the Lord turned and looked at him, what did he say that Peter did? He went out and wept bitterly. He repented, but then he continued on in his obedience to the Word of God. 
Stephen was a man full of faith. In other words, he was a man that lived according to the Scriptures. Barnabas was a man full of faith. He was a man that lived according to the Word of God. In Acts 15.9 it says that our hearts are purified by faith. How is our hearts purified by faith? By walking according to the truth of the Scriptures. And I'm just going to give you some other verses that I have. You can look on your own later if you desire. Acts 17.31, the word assurance there is the Greek word for faith. Romans 1.5 where it talks about obedience to the faith. And you might look at verses 8 and 12 in the same chapter. Turn to Romans 14. I do want to, I do want to look at Romans 14. Because this is a very, very important thing that people need to know. Romans 14.1 Him that is weak in the faith receive ye but not to doubtful disputations. One that's weak in the faith, one that may have trouble, he hasn't learned to walk according to the Scriptures yet. And then it talks about whatsoever you eat or whatsoever you drink. Verse 21. You know, talking about some think you could eat meat, some think you couldn't eat meat, some think you could drink, some think you couldn't drink, and so on. Now drop down to verse 21. It is good eat neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. In other words, if, if there's something that you have the right to do that it might cause a brother to be weak in the faith that is not to obey the Scriptures then you shouldn't do it. Hast thou faith? In other words, do you have the understanding of the Word of God that it's alright to eat meat and the other brother doesn't? Have it to thyself before God. In other words, if I'm going to be a meat eater and my brother's a vegetarian, uh, I don't invite my brother over to the house and pull out a steak and eat it in front of him. I wait till he goes home, and or if I'm going to have steak, I just don't don't invite him over. I I have it at home. Or if it's wine, if you want to have a glass of wine with your meal, and a brother or sister doesn't think you should, then uh, you shouldn't have it there when they're there. If you want to have it, well, don't invite them to that meal. Have it to yourself and God. Happy is he. Uh, ha uh, happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. In other words, he knows that he has the right before God to do it, but don't do it and condemn yourself. In other words, I can eat meat. 
But if I eat it in front of my brother who doesn't think that I should eat meat, then I've condemned myself. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat. In other words, the man, he's under the judgment. Because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now here's what I want to get to. That doesn't mean that I think it's alright to do something and you think it's alright not to do something, but as long as I think it's alright and I'm doing it in faith, that is, I'm doing it because I don't, I don't feel condemned for it and I'm doing it so I have the right to do it whatever I want to do. That's the, that's the mentality of so-called Christian liberty today. And that's the reason people run around in their uh, less than their underwear on beaches. And that's the reason people do whatever they're going to do and the reason uh, people won't even live according to the Word of God and things of that nature. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatsoever is not according to the will of God is sin. Not according to your feelings. Not according to your emotions. But whatsoever is not according to the will of God is sin. Immodest dress is sin. On a man or a woman. Cross-dressing is sin. I won't get off into that. I could preach a whole sermon on, on all of that. But anyway, I guarantee you if I put on something that looked like a dress be a lot of questions going on wouldn't it if I'm wearing something that looks like a woman's clothing and I say oh I've got it fit for a man I've got it style for a man well that just won't work but anyway I'm not going to preach on modesty and, and all of that but the point that I want to get across here is the whatsoever is not a faith is sin and because people have the idea that if, if, I, if I'm not condemned in my heart about something, then it's not sin. That's not true. Whatsoever is not a faith, whatsoever is not according to the Word of God is sin. And then you can look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 where the word belief is used. Hebrews 12.2 the word faith there is literally the faith. Revelation 2.13 Revelation 13.10 and Revelation 14.12 and obviously out of over 240 some odd times I could give many, many, many more examples. And I've tried to restrain myself uh, to prevent looking into all of the verses because I assure you there will be a rich, rich study 
if you were to sit down and look at all of the verses on your own with this idea. But I hope that I have belabored and imposed on your kindness so much that when Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God, he's just simply saying, I live according to the Word of God. Regardless of my feelings. Even if I got whipped, if I got stoned, if I got beaten, I still preached, I still lived according to the faith of the Son of God. And let me say this. In light of what has taken place in our country in the last two years, if professing Christians had lived by the faith of the Son of God, they would not have shut their doors in public worship, regardless of what the government said. Why? Because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now, if a congregation only met, let's say they met once a month. I'm just using this for argument's sake. And the government said, you can't meet anymore. Well, we'll show you we're going to start meeting every Sunday. Well, that's the wrong spirit. If, you're, if your practice is once a month, you just keep on with that practice. If it's every Sunday, then you keep on with every Sunday. If it's every Sunday morning, Sunday night, or afternoon, and Wednesday night, and Friday morning, or whatever else, my whole point is, you just keep practicing what you're already practicing according to the Word of God. Well, I thank this congregation for your patience and putting up with me and belaboring this point. But I hope there's enough out there in the internet world that will listen to this that they will understand what it is to live by faith. Let us pray. Holy Father, once again, we thank You for Your Word. There's a lot of nuances and other matters that could have been discussed that might make it far more difficult than the overall simplicity of what I have given as to what it is to live by faith. Obviously, there are some unknowns. But the secret things belong unto you anyway. You have given us your word that we may know and do. And that's how we're to live. And that's what we can be assured that living by faith is without question. In Jesus' name. Amen.